Hello and welcome to another episode of Hit or Miss, a baseball podcast with Alexandra Aguila. And today we are recording the second episode. So this episode is going to be pretty fun because honestly, we're just going to really discuss the National League. There were a lot of games in the National League that were must watch, that were exciting and intense. A lot of teams battling for the lead spot in the division. So we're going to break that down all here and just talk about what went on. So we're going to start off strong with the Dodgers and Padres series, which I think was highly anticipated after the trade deadline. Um, As we know, the Dodgers didn't make a lot of moves, kind of stayed quiet, and then the Padres did the opposite and kind of got every big, almost every big name on the market. So this series was definitely must watch. And I think it was such an exciting series that worked out more in the Dodgers favor. The Dodgers ended up sweeping the Padres all three games and it was kind of a shock kind of not i mean the dodgers have consistently won series against the padres they're known for being the padres they're known for being like the best team in baseball so it's not a surprise that they won but i think that with the padres getting all of these big name guys that it was going to be um a closer win there was, there was, there was going to be more chance of them to win this series and or at least split it. And unfortunately, they didn't even do that. So the first game, the Dodgers ended up winning 8-1. to one. The second game, the Dodgers won 8-3. to three, And then the Dodgers shut out the Padres 4-0 to zero in the final game. So unfortunately, it did not work in the Padres' favor. And now they are 2-8 and eight against the Dodgers and 15 and a half games behind them in their division. So... I think that, like, the Padres came into the series anticipating that, you know, now that we have these really good hitters on top of what we had before, it kind of gives us a better chance to compete against them, but unfortunately, that was not the case, and I think at this point, with such of a lead the Dodgers have against the Padres, they're more playing for a clinched wildcard spot than a division title. Um, just because of the 15 and a half game lead the Dodgers have. And then the Dodgers are also a consistent postseason and regular season team. They don't really fall in those losing streaks or kind of lose consecutive series. They're not known for doing that. So I think that's really what the Padres are playing for now. And the Dodgers just keep continuing to win. They've won eight consecutive games in a row, just got off of a series sweep from the Giants as well. So they continue to stay that dominated team in California. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, the Dodgers scored eight runs on Sean Manea in the first three innings of the game. And honestly, we've seen Sean Manea's struggles this season, as well as his highs, as well as other Padres pitchers. You Darvish, who struggled, Clevenger, who struggled. So um, we know that those Padres pitchers are good on paper and were good in their past teams, but we haven't really seen their full potential or what they can do on the Padres team. So hopefully in the postseason, they can figure that out and kind of get back to that strong rhythm that we know that they could do and we know that they're capable of doing. So that's what I look forward to see from the Padres. Going back to the Dodgers, Cody Bellinger has struggled a lot this season, but I think he's finally starting to find a consistent hit rhythm and things like that. He had hit two opposite field home runs on Sunday's game against Mike Clevenger. So really good breakout home run for him. Hopefully he can keep that up um, as the Dodgers continue to have players on their injured list, such as Justin Turner. But 
we know that he will be returning very soon, so nothing to worry about there. And then the Dodgers pitching just continues to be consistent, continues just to be the literally like almost the best in baseball. I mean, the pitching staff is great. Um, we know that, and we know the coaching staff is great. Even going down to the minors, they called up some guys from AAA, such as Miguel Vargas, who has come to a little bit of a slow start, but I really think that he can be really good for the Dodgers. He's at eight at-bats, two hits, two RBIs, and one stolen base with an average of 250 and a 625 OPS. I really think he can get going for them. And honestly, that just shows how confident the Dodgers are in their minor league system um, and as well as their development system. We know that the Dodgers consistently have good players and usually have the players to compete, whether they go and get someone or whether they stay the same. In this case, they really didn't get anybody at the deadline, but they continue to shove. They continue to be this Dodger team that we've known for for a couple of years now. Um, but yeah, that's really what went down in that series. Didn't really work out in the Padres' favor, um, but on the bright side for them, they are expecting to get Fernando Tatis back. He is rehabbing in double A right now. And if you have not seen the picture of the amount of people that stood in line to go watch him play in a double A game, you have to go see it right now. Just search up like on Twitter, Fernando Tatis double A. You have to see there's literally hundreds, if not 200 people lined up at the gates of the double A like stadium to go and watch Fernando Tatis play. Like, that is insane, and I'm pretty sure he really didn't even do that well anyways. Like, I think he had, like, two walks and, like, no hits or something, but he was batting first in the lineup because they want him to get those at-bats in, but insane the amount of people that lined up to go and watch him play. Honestly, not, like, it's pretty smart, and it's pretty, like, reasonable as well because the tickets were probably cheaper to watch, and then, I don't know, it's just kind of fun <laughs> to go, like, for the cities, so, um, that was pretty cool to see. That was like shocking to see too, the amount of people that were there. But that kind of like wraps up the Dodgers and Padres series. It was pretty exciting to watch. Hopefully the Padres can finally win a series against the Dodgers and kind of like show them that, hey, we got all these guys and now we're not the same team as we were before. They play together nine more times for the remainder of the second half. Hopefully they can come out with a series win. Um, that would be pretty exciting to see. But that's kind of what happened in that series, kind of staying on the NL. The Mets and Braves also battled for their division. They're kind of like a back and forth team, but ultimately the Mets are in first place and leading by six and a half games. And they played a total of five games together and the Braves ended up losing four out of those five games. So it really didn't work in their favor either. Um, this is the Braves' first three game losing streak of the season, which is impressive, but also disappointing for them like the three game losing streak but on the bright side this is their first one so this just shows like the consistency of the team and how well this team is doing but unfortunately for them the Mets are also doing really really great this season and haven't had that fall that we usually sometimes see um in their second half team or their postseason run team hopefully they don't fall this season because I really think they have the team this season and they're really doing great um, Daniel Vogelback has been getting on base for them. You know, he may be big, but he is running those bases like no other. It's been really fun to see him get on base and get those at-bats and run around the bases. It's just really, really fun baseball over there in that side of New York. And then Francisco Lindor just continues to hit, just continues to be really, really good for the Mets. Um, on Saturday, he went three for four with a double, two runs, and three RBIs. 
just insane numbers he's been putting up this season as well as other players on the Mets such as Pete Alonso. But yeah, really good series for the Mets. Hitting was really good for them as well, but unfortunately, hitting really wasn't good for Atlanta. They struck out 57 of 187 plate appearances with a 30.5% strikeout rate. Definitely not their best. We know that they could do better. We know that they could be a hitting team, but unfortunately, facing this Mets pitching is just insane. DeGrom made his way back to City Field and was his first appearance there this season and he had quite the game. He had 12 strikeouts and five and two-thirds innings with a perfect game until the sixth. Phenomenal work by him. We know that DeGrom is probably the best pitcher in our generation right now so expected nothing less from what he did during his game and as well as Max Scherzer who pitched during their series as well and he won his game 6-2 to two with seven scoreless innings, 11 strikeouts, no walks, only four hits, leaving him at the end of the game with a 1.98 ERA. So these Mets pitchers definitely have the skill, definitely have the stuff. Max Scherzer, yes, he is 38 years old, but he continues to show that age has nothing on him and that he'll continue to be the pitcher that he is and with the talent that we know he has. So this Mets team has been doing really, really phenomenal. Don't know if the Braves are going to be able to catch up to them. It's going to be hard, but hopefully they don't fall on their skid like the Mets are known to do, but I really think that they're going to continue with this consistency that they have. Um, and then they also will play again later in the second half. I think all of the games will be in Atlanta, so it's going to be a little bit harder. We know the Braves are really good at home, so excited to see how that plays out and if the Braves can catch up to the Mets. So that was a really, really fun matchup to see in the NL East. Um, in that division as well, the Phillies came off of a sweep, and they're only three games behind the Braves, so they can possibly catch up. We know they got Noah Syndergaard. Um, the return of Bryce Harper may be coming soon, late September. Um, really hoping that he gets back on that team because the Phillies can actually really go and show and compete with a team that they are known to have. So they could possibly catch up to the Braves. Um, don't know if they're going to go up to the Mets, but it's going to be really fun to see how this division plays out with those three teams kind of battling for the top and second spots. So moving on to the NL Central, the Cardinals ended up sweeping the best team in baseball, the New York Yankees, which was their first time doing that in franchise history, which was literally so insane to see. The Cardinals have been on a really good streak coming out of the deadline. They're moved, they moved to first place above the Brewers. They're two games above them right now. And honestly, it should be no shock. It's not a surprise. The Brewers didn't make any great moves at the deadline. They traded away their top closer, Josh Hader, while the Cardinals got Jordan Montgomery from the Yankees in return for Harrison Bader. Um, unfortunate to see him go, but this just shows that the Cardinals team is t still the Cardinals team. They're ranking right now. They're 1648 and they're just doing really, really well right now. So I really think that they're going to run away with this division, knowing that the Brewers didn't really make any moves and that they still have a really good pitching and they still have really good hitters on their team. Like Nolan Arenado, who had a three-run home run off of Frankie Montas and Frankie Montas's debut. Unfortunately, that debut didn't really go his way or the Yankees way in that speaking. Um, he allowed six runs on five hits, three walks, and a hit batter in 64 pitches and in three innings. Um, the Yankees knew that he hasn't been having his best season. He is an outstanding pitcher, but this season things haven't really gone his way. So I think 
it wasn't really a surprise to see the struggles of Frankie Montas, but it really wasn't nice to see and obviously wasn't enjoyable to see. Hopefully he can kind of come out of that and really pitch well this postseason for the Yankees. And then speaking of the Cardinals and their hitting, Paul DeYoung hit his 100th home run of his career and Matt Carpenter also made his way back to St. Louis on his former team. Um, It was pretty emotional for him. He had been on the Cardinals for a while, so really nice to see him back in St. Louis and the greetings that he got from everyone was nice as well. Um, But yeah, the Cardinals are just doing great so far. I mean, they're a season high 12 games over 500. I really think that they're going to continue on their hot stride and run away with this division ultimately, I think is what is in store for them this second half. But yeah, that's really what happened in that series. Um, I really don't think that this affects the Yankees in a tough way. Obviously, now they know what Frankie Montas can do and what he cannot do. But in all, I think that the Yankees still remain the Yankees, and I don't think that this series will really affect them in a negative way. Other notable things that happened over the past few days, Tim Anderson had that whole fiasco with an umpire. Um, They ended up like butting heads, like helmet to hat collision. Obviously, the umpire didn't enjoy that. You're not allowed to hit the umpires. I don't really think he hit them, but there was contact there. And Tim Anderson was ultimately suspended, but that suspension has been reduced to two games, so he will be back in a White Sox uniform shortly. And then... Miguel Cabrera has pain in his right knee. As we know, he's been having this pain since 2019, but it has now progressed and has gotten worse. So now it's really a question of what does the future hold for him, unfortunately. I mean, it's not great news to hear. Obviously, with age, it becomes harder to keep up with that health and stay healthy. Hopefully, everything is okay and he can continue to play for many more seasons. He is a future Hall of Famer. He is going to be one of the best players in baseball. He's so fun to watch. Hopefully, everything is okay on that side, but it's really just going to be questionable to see what happens in the future for him. Um, And then on like the medical note, Whit Merrifield, who was recently traded to the Toronto Blue Jays, has been vaccinated, so he will be on the team shortly. He wasn't vaccinated before, and it was kind of like a big question whether he was going to get vaccinated or not. Ultimately, he decided to, so it's going to be fun to see him in that outfield. Um, We know that George Springer is on the injured list. Don't really know when he's going to get back, but for now, Whit Merrifield would be a great addition there. And then going back to Atlanta, Ian Anderson, one of their starting pitchers, was optioned down to AAA as well as Heredia going with him. This was kind of a shock and kind of surprising. I mean, although Anderson hasn't been having quite the year that he's known to having, he has like around a 5 ERA, but he was really, really good in the World Series team last year and in the postseason. So hopefully he can come back when the Braves do hit the postseason to go and do what he did last year. But unfortunately for now, he is in AAA. Um, Hopefully he gets to come back. But on that Braves note, they do have another pitcher in the rotation. Spencer Strider, who pitched one of the games against the Mets and ended up losing. And he didn't really take it in a good way. He is a rookie. This is his rookie season. But after the game, he like talked to the media and he had a few things to say about the Mets. This is what he said. He said, a lot of weird hits. They seem to be having a lot of luck right now offensively. That's great. It's August. We'll see what things are like in October. So 
it's kind of giving sore loser, like, he's kind of, like, talking a lot. First of all, he's a rookie, okay? And then second of all, like, he's talking a lot for, like, I mean, he lost the game. You're gonna lose games, obviously, like, in your career. So, to say and kind of make excuses that the Mets are having a lucky season right now offensively isn't really the best look on you being a rookie and then on this notorious Braves team who has really good starting pitching. They have Charlie Morton, they have Max Fried as well, so not a great look for him, honestly. Like, I think that he has to learn, and I think the big league guys are also going to, you know, be there and tell him, like, hey, man, this maybe wasn't the brightest thing to say just because, like, he is a rookie, like I said. Like, I keep going back to that, but it's true. Like, he's a rookie. He hasn't been there for a while. Like, it doesn't really make sense for him to make these excuses and kind of be all talk. Obviously, he does have the numbers we've seen. Like, he's knows how to punch out guys. He knows where to put the ball, but at the same time, like, he has to know that he's going to have bad games and he's going to have bad times where he's just not his stuff is not going to be where he wants it to be and ultimately like at some point you're going to have to own up to that and he also like started naming stats and of the Mets so I don't know it just got really weird ultimately I think that at the end of the day part of being a major league baseball player is owning up to your mistakes and owning up to when you have flaws not really calling out the other team or kind of putting excuses and trying to defend yourself saying that this other team is per se lucky because I really don't think that's what it is so that was kind of odd to see hopefully you know he ends up doing better in his next few games but at the same time I feel like he kind of has to learn to own up to his mistakes and not really blame it on the team (laughs) but yeah so that's really what happened in that situation and then kind of talking about injuries that have occurred Clayton Kershaw has been put on the 15-day IL with a sore back he did have an epidural on Friday but there really is no timeline of when he's going to return I honestly don't think that this is going to be a really big problem for the Dodgers Uh, they have Anderson they have Heaney so Honestly, their pitching is really great, and their pitching staff knows how to develop pitchers. I wouldn't be surprised if a pitcher comes up for them. So, no worries there on the pitching rotation for the Dodgers, um, but we obviously want to see Clayton Kershaw back soon. Um, And then speaking about the Dodgers, Justin Turner, like I said, plans on returning soon. And then also mentioned Bryce Harper possibly returning in September. And then the J-Rod show is supposed to get back on track. He's supposed to return from a wrist injury that he's had. So super exciting to see him back in the show and back to what he's known for doing, hitting homers, hitting bombs, just hitting the baseball. Um, And then this Mariners team finally getting to be in full health and going to be fun to see what their next few games are going to look like. Um, But yeah, so that brings us to the end of the episode. I'm going to finish out with our hit or miss teams of this episode. And our hit team is going to ultimately end up being the Los Angeles Dodgers, who honestly have been having a really, really good stretch. Swept the Giants, have now swept the Padres. Two really good teams in baseball. So it's going to be really exciting to see how they progress this streak. I honestly think that they could probably bring it to 10 they do face the twins a little bit of a harder team but I think they could pull it out and then they face the Royals the Brewers honestly not nothing to worry about there anymore and then they face the Marlins and then again for the Brewers they kind of dodge back between the Brewers and Marlins a lot Um, but then 
late August, it kind of gets harder with the Mets. But I mean, this Dodger team just continues to show us that they don't have to go and make big moves at the deadline. They're fine with the guys that they got. The consistency is there for them. They're literally bringing up guys from AAA and putting them in this lineup and having like no struggles at all. Just the player development on this Dodger team is insane. The staffing, the coaching is just unbelievable. So they definitely deserve a hit this episode. And then the Miss team will end up being the Milwaukee Brewers, unfortunately. I just cannot wrap my head around that they traded their top closer when they were in first place, leading their division. I mean, yes, the Cardinals were creeping up their back, but honestly, if they did go and make those trades, they could supply themselves with the cushion that they had over the Cardinals, but they didn't do that. I know they're worried about their future more more than the present, but at the same time, they really had the opportunity to go and get a World Series winning team, and they didn't do that. So, I don't know. It just does not sit right with me Um, yet. Maybe I'll get over it. Maybe it'll pass, but that has to be my missed team for today's episode. Um, And that really wraps up our episode for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll be back with another episode on Thursday and then another Cubs episode on Saturday. This Cubs episode ended up being published on Monday, so two episodes today, but next one will be on Saturday, I promise. But again, thank you guys for listening. I hope you all have a great day.